Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Good morning, Scott. Josh, my friend, also joined by another inevitable thing, hashtag inevitable thing, um, because Bethesda's behind the Indiana Jones game. And this isn't to, you know, do a big old poop on Bethesda, but I did, when you sent me the link for this, I just went, oh, for the love of, of course you are, of course this is happening. Um, so the news is that Machine Games making the new Indiana Jones game that Bethesda are publishing, that Mr. Todd Howard is an executive producer on. Um, they, in terms of the amount of staff that they're hiring, have put a roll call out um, for a monetization and live designer, um, alongside a couple of other roles as well. Um, but the role for the monetization designer, which in itself makes you go, oh God, why does Indiana Jones need a monetization yeah. designer? Um, the role requires someone who can develop and manage the economy slash monetization components to meet player expectations and creative directions, alongside game features that monetize and re-engage players in a consumer-friendly way. That's the thing. That's the thing. So um, the only other time I completely forgot that Wolfenstein Youngblood even happened until you mentioned it. And then I was like, oh, God, yeah, they did that. And so I went back in and I, I looked back into all the, the microtransaction kerfuffle that was around that game. Um, because back at launch, when Youngblood first came out, you could buy boosters on the console versions um, to help you get through the game faster. And obviously mm-hmm. that game was very much geared around grinding and loot systems and bleh, all the horrible stuff. Um, and that stuff was amended. They took out the boosters, but they left in, like, you know, you can still buy gold bars and you can still buy, um, you know, you can fight, even fast track ways to get more skins and different skins for your armor and your weapons, but they got rid of the XP boost stuff, um, or at least the uh, the boosters to get you through the game faster. Um, but regardless, is there any way where this works? Is there any um, way at Scott all? Tilford, it's like, it's almost like an oxymoron saying <laughs> consumer-friendly, like microtransactions and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like every single time we see an advert for this or a publisher or a developer comes out to explain that these microtransactions are actually really good for you this time, like <laughs> it, it never works out that way, even if they're done well. Like not all microtransactions mm. are as bad as, you know, FIFA or Star Wars Battlefront 2 when that first launched, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's always an uphill battle. And if you have to come out to clarify that something is consumer-friendly, it's the only reason that you're doing it really is kind of like for the money and there is so Mm. much money in microtransactions but it reminds me and not to go on too much of a tangent but there was once a landlord scott um in town called (laughs) nice landlords right and they might be nice landlords but i always thought that if you have to put that little bit before your name if you have to make it obvious that you're the nice ones of this then there's something kind of fundamentally wrong. And if you're pitching yourself as having the nice microtransactions, Mm -hmm. it's like, are they going to be nice though? Are we just kind of admitting that inherently all of these are kind of 
predatory at some level. They kind of, mm. you know, I'm not kind of cast too much judgment right now on what Indiana Jones, the game, is going to turn out to be. But Bethesda, as a, you know, publishing company, is no stranger to this. Like you said, they no. tried to implement that in Wolfenstein, which Machine Games obviously worked on, and then they went more or less all in on them when it came to Fallout 76. So mm. there's all, like, I guess it's just the future now. This is just how games are. They're always going to have monetization oh. in game in some form, and Indiana Jones is just no exception. Well, first, uh, when you said town, most of the people watching this won't know what you mean, but it's that you mean Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of Newcastle. England. Newcastle, yes. Yes, that's, uh, that's where the nice landlords are, which, uh, <laughs> in theory, anyway, most of them are not nice landlords. But, um, yeah, in terms of the, um, the monetization stuff, it's always that thing of just being like, is this just the way that it is? And I know that, you know, the other, the other day, the other week, we had that report where it was, I think it was Call of Duty that made multiple billions of dollars. Two um, billion. Or, or two, yeah, it, it, just insane. And so... It's that thing where, you know, EA were put on, on blast after Battlefront 2 and their whole thing was like, people want this stuff. They want to pay for this stuff. And clearly there is a substantial amount of people that are throw, that are happily, happy to throw their money at, at, you know, 50 pence for a skin, at one pound for a skin or whatever. And like, I don't know, I don't like resigning to the reality of like, well, this is just the way it is. Like, it's not that they can't be done well. And mm -hmm. I think that obviously it's always case by case basis and some titles, it depends. It's just, it's always, it's a feeling in the words of Finn from episode <laughs> nine. It's a feeling um, where some games just feel inherently more greedy or it doesn't feel like the initial base version of the game is worthwhile in itself to then, you know, be valid of, of putting more money into it. Um, like Fallout 76 felt like a hodgepodge in the first place. And then it was like, oh, we also want to do the extra um, credits and the different unlocks and that stuff was also broken so it was like what the hell am I paying for um, as opposed to I completely understand the reality of making sure that the uh, devs that continue to work on a project a live service game need to be paid month by month yeah. you know, year on year that stuff's totally fine um, in this case though because it's Bethesda because it's such a monetizable property um, you know I do I have faith in it? Not really. And I kind of see a, you know, a storefront of like fancy deluxe whips and fancy different types of hats and just mm -hmm. all that shenanigans that I think will probably be in there. We're going to get like a bedazzled fedora, you know, a whip <laughs> that like one. fires out like trace rounds or something. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting to kind of view it in the context of Lucasfilm games as a whole as well, because mm. when they were talking about their new Star Wars game coming from Ubisoft, again, known in part for their um, microtransactions in games like Assassin's Creed and what have you. I think um, it's kind of telling the comments and how they spoke about the games they want to make because um, the executive was saying, you know, they want to make a Star Wars game that people can return to for hours and hours and hours, you know, like hundreds mm. of hours. They're making this open world game that yeah. they want people to essentially live on. And it sounded very much like a live service. And I'm not going to say that Indiana Jones is going to be a live service or anything like that. Right. But the people who are at the head of Lucasfilm Games helping these games come to fruition obviously mm. understand how much money is in keeping a keeping the retention of players and keeping them investing in a marketplace over and over again. So I feel like with this and with their comments about Star Wars, mm. I think it's plainly obvious that it's not just going to be a one-off. Most of their games, I imagine, will follow suit and feature you know these kind of storefronts in some capacity, no matter what the IP is. At the end of the day, mm. well, just I mean I don't know how you I don't know how you do it. Like it's not like we've seen it done 
well. Like, obviously, you've got, like, Destiny... Like, Destiny was horrible at launch, and they managed to get there. Destiny 2 is obviously a very enjoyable game. The gunplay was always brilliant, and that sort of grind is palatable enough. Like, there's enough of a fan base there that's stuck with it, and it keeps going. And it's not like there aren't, you know, workable versions of platforms for content or games, you know, games as a service. Like, Warframe tends to be one of the only ones that has a positive community and a positive reputation, but it's still monetized to all hell. But it's in a good way. Like, you get enough for free, and then you can choose to invest if you want, and there's the, the balance between the two is, like I said, is, is more palatable. But mm-hmm. the Avengers, like, was just so threadbare, where they just sort of, like, stripped so much back and just said, well, you know, you can kind of pay for invisible loot, and that's your recurrent method, and we're going to plug DLC in later, so we do care about you, really. And don't worry, Kate Bishop round, round the corner, and she's coming too. And it was just, it was so all over the place. And I just, when it comes to a bigger IP that has more rule sets in place, like, it's not yeah. just a, a big, grindy shoot fest, like what Destiny can be, if you really boil it down, like, you know, which components can be dragged out. I don't know how you take Indiana Jones and take which parts of that experience and then stretch them all the way out, unless you're yeah. just going to be rerunning missions as Indiana Jones or his son, Mud, or whatever the hell that guy <laughs> character was called. Well, that's, that's the big question, man. It's how is Lucasfilm Games and, you know, Machine Games, Bethesda, everyone involved in this project going to approach the license? Is it going to be a mm. Square Enix kind of strategy where it almost seems like the gameplay structure or at least the monetization structure is in place first mm-hmm. and then the license comes second and that's kind of like molded on top in this kind of weird battle pass scenario in excelling <laughs> exclusive characters and stuff? Or mm. is it going to be, you know, an Indiana Jones game first and foremost, you know, through and through Todd Howard did say he has this kind of excellent idea for it. He apparently went to Lucasfilm Games, pitched it, and was like, I really want to make this game. If that's Hmm. true, then it might be all right, because then hopefully the monetization stuff, the microtransaction stuff, will be secondary. That'll come afterwards. They'll find a way to implement it, but it's not going to be kind of the sole focus of it in a way that I felt like it was in Avengers. Avengers, to me, just felt like this hobbled together product designed to make me spend money on these characters that were bland (laughs) and interesting. You know what I mean? Hmm. But hopefully they have learned from that and the fact that they're calling them consumer friendly or whatever seems to at least acknowledge (laughs) that and they need to get this right because you know we saw and again i'm so sorry to make this yet another video about cd project red (laughs) but you know even even that company kind of fell into this same trap when a year ago or something they were saying look we'll leave the greed to the other companies they can do microtransactions and then this year they were like we're going to do some microtransactions, boys. We're going to put them in um, Cyberpunk multiplayer at some point. And it's like, I understand why you're doing it because there's far Mm. too much money in this, um, you know, approach to not do it. Like, it's almost Mm. daft to cut off that revenue stream. But at the same time, like, you've got to be smart about it. You've got to implement it in the game in a way that isn't intrusive and doesn't take away from why people are there in the first place, which in this case is to play a banging Indiana Jones game. (laughs) <laughs> Plus, I mean, yeah, I, it's not to, like I said, completely poop over the idea. It's just the the track record doesn't, it kind of speaks for itself. And either this will be a soaring return to form, the combination of, you know, one of the best developers of all time, at least they obviously used to be, and their body of work, like, it, you know, it, it stands up, um, twinned with one of the most recognizable IPs of all time. Or it'll be a small entire fire in the vein of Fallout 76 where they try something that is another Todd Howard idea. Like, oh, we can make this work using the same tech or whatever. Um, I mean, Machine Games are a, are a brilliant studio, but they also stumbled with Youngblood. I think yeah. the overall, the takeaway thing that I would hand down into the comments is, has there been a recurring monetized element in the game that actually felt genuinely enjoyable, palatable, and recommendable? Because I don't feel like we have any of them. Like I said, the nearest that we got was Warframe. Um, and that's like that's the nearest that we got anywhere near 
hear something where you would be like, oh, yeah, you should totally play this. But actually, there's also this, this, this to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, let us know what you think down in the comments below of the idea of Indiana Jones having recurring monetizable elements. Um, and for now, Ivan Scott from WhatCulture.com. I've been Josh from WhatCulture.com. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.